Hi there, I'm Cameron, and I don't just read comics, I love them. But today, I'm not the only one. On today's episode of Cameron Reads Comics, I get to interview one of my favorite podcast hosts and entertainment journalists, Koi Jandro. Koi has been a host of Collider Heroes, Marvel Movie News, and many other shows. Currently, he's been hosting his own podcast called The Koi Cast, as well as a YouTube live series called Koi Cubed. When he's not self-isolating, he's hosting Comic Book Shopping, which is a show that you should really check out. This interview was a dream come true, and Koi was so kind to me. I probably embarrassed myself because I'm so stoked that I'm talking to him, but nevertheless, this happened. He also recommends some really awesome comics, which is so important to this show. As always, remember to follow Cameron Reads Comics on Instagram to find out about all the greatest updates pertaining to the channel. Now, here is my interview with Koi Jandro. I hope you enjoy it. Okay, I think we're going. So, first and foremost, hi, Koi Jandro. How we doing, man? Um, the audience didn't get to hear this, but I just gushed, gushed to Koi for like three minutes. So, See, the trick is you do that off air, and then you record, and that way you get your dignity, and the guest is like, why, thank you. I do feel very welcome. I'm just, I'm just shameless over here. So, Koi, Sometimes you got to be, man. Yeah. How would you describe what you do um how would you like your job title like how would you describe your what, what you're doing on the daily so i i am a talk show host without a current talk show uh i'm a i'm a host that does comic book content and pop culture content and what i'm trying to do is legitimize what pop culture is seen as so i'm trying to make pop culture not this weird uh, surface now that's what I call music Michael Bay bullshit I'm trying to make it as legitimate as your Aronofsky films or your Criterion collection I think there's merit in all art and I think a lot of people give art that is more obscure more credit than than they should necessarily because I think there's merit in all art so I think just because something's popular doesn't mean it's lesser so I'm a, I'm a host that's trying to bring awareness to the nuance and integrity of what pop culture can be beyond the surface fluff. Um, and I, I have a comic book specificity, but I also I love movies. Uh, I love all forms of, of various art. But comics is my niche because I'm, I'm obsessed. It's something that uh, a lot of people do as a hobby and I do it as a living. Uh, and that, that kind of separates me from a lot of other hosts. That is so that's the dream, right? First, personally, because I've like. I feel what you're saying when you're talking about wanting to, for all intents and purposes, bring integrity to a medium that you believe in, because that's kind of really why I started this podcast is because I love comics, you know, the source material for everything going on in the universe, you know, Umbrella Academy, obviously the MCU, the DC universe. I'm just like, oh, all you guys like these movies. You like the Dark Knight. You would love Long Halloween, you know? And so yeah. my goal is to share and give integrity to this medium that I know has all of the merits, but I'm trying to share that. So I really feel what you're saying. 
And I also, I want to use celebrity culture for a positive. We, as Americans, have this weird obsession because uh, we, we got rid of royalty and we replaced it with our self-made royalty. And we needed something to look up to because the way we, uh, you know, have, have gotten rid of uh, intelligent thought and we've kind of infantilized ourselves when it comes to, to broad pop culture. And we, we want people to look up to. So since we don't have aristocracy, we look to, you know, popular people. We look to movie stars. We look to these things. But as movie stars get less and less popular because more social media allows for a more uh, broad array of, of talent, uh, I want to use that celebrity clout to bring awareness to things that might not get attention. So, like, everyone, the, the, that 15 seconds of fame concept is much bigger because now we have YouTube, now we have Twitter, now we have all these other things, and we're not going to ever have a Tom Cruise again. We're not going to have the Brad Pitt era again. But what we can do is when, when someone's got a little bit of that shine on them, a little bit of that fame, what I want to do is use that to bring awareness to important causes in the real world, mm -hmm. important causes that matter to the, the celebrity. But also, if they don't know the source material of the movie they're promoting, if they don't know the actual character on the pages, you can make comic books that are 60 years old relevant again if Jake Gyllenhaal holds it. You know, you can make, yeah. uh, you know, the right book that hasn't ever been, you know, that popular. It can be popular the next week if you have someone talking about it positively. So, there's a benefit to having uh, – I, I think celebrity culture in America is a mess, but we can turn that into a positive. And that's kind of like my, my turning pop culture into a positive is also my turning celebrity into a positive. I hate TMZ. I hate the vultures that are paparazzi. But if we can make the other side of it into a benefit, then I think that's kind of worth our time. Yeah, absolutely, and especially in, in your most recent recorded episode of the Koi cast, you were talking about everyone ev – saying things surrounding Chadwick Boseman and I just think I totally agree with you where it's like this isn't the point and now that we have further information we have a new understanding about what was happening in his life it's you guys are just po poachers it's like you know you're yeah. pretty despicable so yeah I got I got a little hyphy on that last quite cast that uh, people pissed me off and he was such a great great human being and the idea to to poke at someone is it's always, it's always hard not knowing what people are going through and it's always hard being in the limelight, but then to find out like the extent of what he was going through and the, the gift that was his time to us, like how many other people have we just had no idea what their life was and people were just assholes. And that's just, we, we need to learn to be better, like human beings as a whole, uh, especially the way we treat celebrity and, 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 and good and bad. Like yeah. there's a lot of, there's a lot of leeway sometimes in, in what they get away with. There's also a lot of like, really, that's how you choose to interact with people. And journalism as a whole, I, I want to restructure journalism, man. Mm -hmm. I hate scoops. I hate people trying to mess with people's lives, whether it be their personal life or trying to get like the end of a movie before it's due. Like, I don't, I think that people trying to find out the sequel when they're not focusing on the present movie they're working on. I hate when people are like using shiny objects and like babies and puppies to, to take awareness from the actual project. I, I just think there's, there's an integrity to journalism that's been lost, but especially in pop culture journalism, um, like, e like even CNN doesn't have their Walter Cronkite. And now yeah. we don't even have Carson Daly. Like, like we're, we're just, it's all falling apart. Yeah. Yeah. What a, but you know, going back to, I guess, reasons we love comics are there, and, and, and uh, content is their escapism and reflection of the real world. So we got that. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the, the moral compass of comic books is why I think it's really interesting that the certain people think that comic books are for children. It's like uh, you're not seeing the exact thing that draws us to them. You're missing out on the actual core of it. It's 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 mythology. It's it's the legends of everything you study in history class. It's it could be just as real as 
a person you've never met to you. Like what, what Captain America represents to you could mean as much to someone who has a, a grandfather who's a fighter pilot. Like if you haven't met that grandfather, they're real in, in the abstract in their accomplishments. Yeah. And Captain America is in some ways just as real in his accomplishments if it makes you a better person. If, if you are changed for the better because of a fictional or non-fictional being, I think it's for the best that that thing exists. So people that shit on comic books are just kind of missing the point. Yeah, yeah. No, you're telling you're telling me, brother. All right. <laughs> um, so, when did your relationships with comic books begin? Uh, I learned to read with comic books. I uh, I I was a young kid that spoke really, really early. Um, I actually learned to talk super before I could walk, and then I forgot to, how to walk because I got a little uh, a car, like one of those pedal cars, and I used it so much I forgot how to like balance, so they had to take it away from me, and throughout all of that, I was learning new words, so I had a really interesting trajectory. Like My brain was like, let's learn how to speak and like, like not worry about the rest. Um, so I, I was learning because like pictures were fascinating to me. So comic books, I was instantly drawn to. So I actually have Todd McFarlane's torment run from when I was three and I was reading it at three. So I was saying words like I pronounced it wrong, but ravaged, I thought was ravaged, but I was saying like ravaged before I was saying a lot of like colors. And I was, I said dinosaur before I said dad, like my, my speech pathology has always been really weird. So, um, Spider-Man was my, my original learning. And, uh, I was, I was reading before I really started like first grade. Like I'd already picked up Jurassic Park and I couldn't read all of it, but I was picking out words and asking what it meant. And then, uh, then I just kept going with comic books. So I started collecting when I was three, I started reading when I was three. Um, my collection is a, is a mix of like my dad gave me his collection when I was 16. Uh, so I've got my dad's Chris Claremont, John Byrne stuff. Uh, I have my full run of Spider-Man. I'm, I'm 30, four or 36 issues away from every spider-man ever in print um no that's that's been such a crazy journey to like follow you on as like i'm just someone who double triple dips on everything like i'm reading all platforms so yeah here what's the best i'm like i don't buy i buy singles really weekly you know wednesday warrior just to read once but after yeah. that, i'm just like i don't want to you know Bag and board, mylar, the rest so yep bag board long box tucked away and then i read it digital so i i I'm a, I'm a hardcore proponent for physical media. Um, I reread in digital, but I'm a weirdo. So like I have all the Spider-Man on disc. Uh, I have a, they used to sell issue one through 441 and then through issue like 60 of volume two in like the early 2000s on a disc. And it was literally like an MPEG download. So I still have mine for Spider-Man and X-Men, but I won't read the issue until I own it in hard copy. So like I haven't read Amazing Spider-Man 14 because I don't own it yet, even though I have access to it digitally because I'm a weird like OCD like that. That's crazy. That's awesome. So, oh man, I'm like, I'm just, that's such a cool, that's such a cool thing to see that, you know, because I think that's, have you searched for issues on eBay, like as you're doing that or no? Do you just like stay strictly comic shop or convention? I'm 95% like buy it in person. I have at very, very rare times gotten some offline. Uh, if there's like, if I'm, I have a horrible insomnia. So if I'm lying awake and I'm like, I'm going to look for comics. And then I happen to look online. Like I will do that. I used to buy, 
like when I when I lived in like a comic book store desert, I'd buy like a run. Like I, I picked up some Spider-Man 2099s off eBay because I couldn't find a store that even had any. So I was like, there's no way I'm going to find these issues because I needed like three last issues. Oh, man, you're, um, you're actually Spider-Man. So that means Spider-Man tie-ins too then because I don't know. Oh, dude, am- amazing, spectacular, web of, what if, yeah. Tangled Web, Peter Parker, oh, Sensational, uh, 2099, uh, all the annuals. Uh, yeah, no, I don't, I don't mess around, man. I'm oh, talking like full runs i was like i was like oh yeah miguel o'hara that's a different character he doesn't need to collect all those and you're like oh, no. no i do i do you're like first now i don't do guest appearances uh i i know some completionists want like you know if he appeared in an issue of thor and that's just a bit much for me but if it's a spider-man title i got it yeah yeah i feel that i'm like i don't know i used to i wanted to be that completionist but i just don't personally i don't have the space for that so i'm i've been i so- live in a city man me neither no d- Corey, we're neighbors, but we don't need to get into that. Um, <laughs> I'm like, this, eventually one day, this will happen in person. That's my dream. <laughs> Are you in LA? I'm in Long Beach, man. Oh, that's right. That's right. Because I was worried about getting down there because OC has hella, hella Rona. Uh, so I, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is madness over here. So, um, yeah, no, that's why literally I was like, I was telling him for the listeners earlier, I was like, this would be the dream to happen like at a convention, but obviously there's no conventions this year. So, Koi in the kindness of his heart responded to my um, Instagram DMs. So here you we are did now. it much more politely than most. I, I've gotten so many people that just assume my time, like oh, with the, I, cause I put up like a Q and a and you were like, uh, how does one get you on their show? And then you were like super kind there and then super kind of the DM and then super organized. Those are three things that I value in hosts. So oh. like a lot of people are just like, Hey, come on my show. Or they're like, they'll just send me a link. And I'm like, no. And yeah. it's just the, the assumption of people's time is one of the most insane things about like modern day. For some reason, people think they're entitled to you and it's so uncomfortable. So you were yeah. the opposite. And I, I've been very appreciative. I've been stoked for this. I was like, cause I, I, I don't know. I want, I want this to move forward and, and, it the right now the pod is just like an outlet for me and so i it, it is an environment that perpetuates me getting to talk about really the only thing i want to talk about so I'm i get like, it man and so i'm sure you i'm sure you other than compared to other friends i have get it more than like others but anyways um is there a series so going back to comic collecting because i can just gush i can just keep going man but going back to comics uh is there a series maybe it was spider-man torment but that you that just made everything click for you? Uh, so I really, really love Ultimate Spider-Man, and I was 12 when it started. Mm-hmm. So Ultimate Spider-Man was kind of the perfect thing to get me back in. I've been a collector since I could move, but I, I didn't have, like, a title that kept me. I, I'd pick up everything. I'd read, you know, that was when there was six or seven Spider-Man titles. That was Untold Tales of is one of my favorites, and I was reading that. There was Spectacular and Amazing and Peter Parker, and, like, there was a ton. Sensational around that time with Mike Gringo, who's one of my favorites. But, like, they were all so varied that it was like, I enjoy comic books. But then, uh, and I also was reading, like, Superboy. I love Connell. I was reading Kyle Rayner's Green Lantern. Um, like this was in that era of DC in the nineties when they were inventing a lot of new takes on characters. You know, you had your death of Superman that brought us a new, new batch of Superman. Uh, you had Kyle, a very different Green Lantern. So I was reading a ton, but it felt like I was reading a ton. So my young brain couldn't quite keep track of things like I do now. So ultimate Spider-Man came out and I was like, wait, it's all of the stories, but streamlined, like it's all of the stories, but made for me. And it reminded me of the cartoon because the Spider-Man cartoon in 93 summarized a lot of very important runs. Mm-hmm. So 
I'd be reading like Steve Ditko, Stan Lee stuff when I'm like nine years old and I'd get most of it, but then I'd see it on the cartoon and it would fill in the gaps. My child brain couldn't. And then I'd go back and read the comic and it'd make sense again. So ultimate Spider-Man was this perfect, like uh, it filled in the gaps. It was like all the potholes were gone. Everything made sense. And it was modern. Like it was set in the year 2000 and it came out in the year 2000. So I think ultimate Spider-Man is really what got me back into, into full blown collecting. Uh, And that really kicked everything a high gear because I had a job when I was 12. I was a paper boy. So I was able to buy comics. Oh, dude, I got my first part-time, like, full-ass 30 hours a week job the day after my 14th birthday. I'm a fucking hustler, son. I'm not. Um, (laughs) You're like, you're just organized. And I'm like, barely, barely that. (laughs) Dude, 70 hours a week since I was 14, man. Like, like all my YouTube stuff, I I try to cap my work week at 70 hours because I find my body starts to deteriorate at 80. So I try to, like, clock my hourly at 70. But I've been doing that since I can think. Uh, Because I I counted school as my hourly. So between... My paper route, my movie theater job in school was about 65 hours. And I've found that since those 20 years ago, that's how much I can kind of work until my body starts to just collapse and I fall asleep in public and shit. But, um, like, working is, is everything. Like, I want to leave a mark. Like, if I, if I die tomorrow, I'll at least have had, like, what I've accomplished so far. And that's kind of how I see it. Yeah, man. Actually, that's a great transition because I'll just uh, – I admire you so much. And it's because of your decision to create this kind of content. So I'm sure some of it was – I imagine that even even though we get to talk about comics right now on this platform, like some of this like doesn't feel like work, or at least I hope it doesn't always feel like work for you. And so, um, when did you decide that you wanted to get into entertainment news, uh, entertainment news commentary, or like analysis? Like, when was that like, ooh, something I I I could get into, you know? So I always wanted to be an actor because I was obsessed with Heath Ledger. Uh, Heath Ledger is my hero. Heath Ledger has always been my hero. And then we lost Heath Ledger, so it really like within a, a few, I was always going to move to LA, but so many people are always going to move to LA and they're like, right. just another grand, just another grand. Uh, like they always like their bank accounts never quite good enough. So I was always like saving, but this is, this is a dude who's working two jobs, move out here. So I had a decent amount saved up mm-hmm. and then we lost Heath. And I was like, I was, I was crushed. Yeah. And that, that moved up my timetable about six months. And I was out in LA with, I think it was within six months of losing Heath. So I was like, okay, it's time. I got to go. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do everything in his honor. And I want to be uh, out in LA and, and do the thing and take it seriously. And I was already sag at that point. Um, Cause I've oh, worked wow. a bunch in Boston. Um, I've been, I was, I've been acting since I was like, I was, I did plays in school, but I was a, a stunt person that was sag. I was acting in movies out there. Like I was Chris Pratt's little brother in Bride Wars which is oh, this Kate Hudson and Hathaway yeah. movie. Uh, so yeah, I was Star-Lord's little brother back in Boston. I worked on surrogates with Bruce Willis. I was That's in, uh, canon in my head. That's yeah, dude, Star-Lord's little that, brother right that here. Is canon. Big I worked for the Right? I was, I, I was, I was, uh, I actually worked with Anne, uh, way before, uh, you know, she was Catwoman, which was really oh, cool. Man. And then I worked with Jennifer Garner on the invention of lying after she was Electra. So I got to talk about Electra with her, which is very funny. Uh, anyway, That's even after I, she was alias, you know, so I feel like- right, which is way better. Uh, but yeah, I was, I was a young actor boy and then I got out here and I love acting. I think it's a very, it's an incredible art form and I think it's super important, but I don't do well with repetition and I just, I don't do well with, um, uh, that many shapes of creativity that involved me. Like every time I'd audition, I'd take it way too personally. You can be the exact right person for the role and something will go wrong and you'll lose it. You can be the wrong person for the role and get it and find it on set. You're the wrong person. You can just have something that you and the casting director doesn't mesh with. And like that will throw off everything. And that many variables, my, my brain couldn't handle. Like I just, I wasn't as good at acting as 
I needed to be to be able to take the negative. Like I, I was in class and I was auditioning and I was doing the thing, but like I was good and I wasn't great. And you need to be great to be an actor. And you also need to be able to have the thick skin to endure being told no for a living. Like it's your job to be told no. So I liked everything about acting except the auditioning and repetition, which are huge, huge parts of it. Uh, So I then discovered while I was working in movies, um, I was, I was friends with some hosts and then uh, I'd worked in this movie R.I.P.D. with uh, Ryan yeah. Reynolds and Jeff Bridges. Wow. Uh, I, was, I was a stunt guy in that. Look so, at you go. I'm just like, oh, wow. Look at I you. don't play, man. Oh, my God. Star-Lord's brother. When you got R.I.P.D., you're like, I taught Ryan Reynolds everything he knows. Sam Jackson. Obviously. <laughs> 70 hours a week, man. Uh, no, so I, I, uh, I, I worked in R.I.P.D. And it was, I was talking with Ryan about Deadpool because he, he's been obsessed with Deadpool since Blade Trinity. So I mentioned I was a huge Deadpool fan. And this was before people knew who Deadpool was. R.I.P.D. was before the Deadpool wave. So it was actually novel for Ryan to talk about Deadpool at that point. Now it's obviously it's not. But then it was like, whoa, what? So we talked about Deadpool on set. And one of my great honors was talking with Jeff Bridges about Deadpool with Ryan. It was crazy. I had to like, I got to, it was insane. But um, so I came back from filming that and I was back in L.A., and this was around the time, uh, flash forward like a year or two, this was around the time the, uh, the movie was gearing up. And a few of my friends knew that story about me talking with Ryan and Jeff Bridges. And they were like, hey, uh, Screen Junkies needs an expert on Deadpool. Do you want to come just talk about Deadpool? So like out of nowhere, I just happened to know, um, you know, a few people through having done some shows. Uh, I had, I had dabbled in hosting. I had this show that I wrote, produced and hosted on bite size called, um, uh, comic sense. And mm-hmm. it was about like the common sense, but comics, comic sense. Um, <laughs> and, and it basically, that got picked up by uh seven 11, like it was playing on seven 11 screens. So wow. it was really wow. interesting. Like that was the, that was the biggest thing I'd had as a host. So I was like, maybe this isn't for me either. Like, am I an actor? Am I a host? Blah, blah, blah. But then Screen Junkies called me in to talk about Deadpool. And I was like, wait a second. This is a huge audience. I'm not repeating myself. I get to be myself. I get to talk about stuff I love. Is this what I want to do for a living? Yeah. And that, uh, that Deadpool video did almost a million views in no time. Yeah. Uh, people would recognize me on the street and be like, that thing you said about Deadpool. I love that character. I picked up this comic because of you, this comic because of you. And I was like, wait, people are buying comics because of me? I love comics. And I realized, like, wait, I can influence helping comics get in people's hands and then that turned into marvel movie news that turned into uh collider heroes that turned into where i'm now oh my god actually wait that's a great question this is just a personal question i'm sure you've had a million times i've never read any deadpool and that's not he's i just i feel very uh canon just right now i think deadpool is very just kind of like harley quinn joker a little much little oversaturated for my taste but i've never read him and all the points you make about his humor being a mask and like all the points you make about it make me want to read him. What's like the best starting on point? Is it New Mutants 98? Is it, I know you love Jerry, uh, Jerry Dugan's run. I would say accessibility. Yeah. Um, I would go with the very first arc of Spider-Man Deadpool because you'll know Spider-Man. So that gives you like a gateway point And therefore like you can get Deadpool's humor as it reflects Spider-Man's. Yeah. And it's written by Joe Kelly, who's one of the best Deadpool writers of all time. Uh, it's called Isn't It Bromantic? And it's about the bromance with Spider-Man and Deadpool. Uh, it's got great art. So that also helps like bring you into that world. And then secondarily, I would say Jerry Duggan's run, but specifically this arc called The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. 
And it's this team-up arc where you can see the real heart of Deadpool. He goes to North Korea and discovers that a bunch of North Korean, uh, in like basically people in a concentration camp in Korea, they've been doing experiments on them with, with Wade's DNA, and they're mutating and rotting, and it's his fault adjacent. So he, he brings Cap and Wolverine over, and they, they free a bunch of these uh, Korean mutants that have been trapped there. And it's just this really heart-wrenching, like, Wade feels responsible, but he's not directly. And you yeah. get to see, like, it's, it's a really cool showing of his heart. So those two are really good, like, access points. And then I've got, like, another 30 if you enjoy those two. But I'd start I, with those two. I will be, yeah, th- thank you. Because I, he, there's, that's a character I want to get to know. But also, I'm just like, ah, and frankly, between you and I, the X-Men continuity is intimidating franchise in comics in my opinion so i've been collecting x-men as long as actually not not quite as long i've been collecting x-men since i was seven so they're my other they're my other squad i only have 103 uncanny and one issue of wolverine and four annuals and i have every x-men in print oh my gosh yeah that's uh what what you said most recently about the x-men to you kind of in your last coin cast i'm a fan uh being a the next flagship franchise of like, they were the core of Marvel. I think, I think you're totally right. And I think that's going to happen soon. And so I want to, yeah, get I, I think the next Avengers aren't called Avengers. They're called X-Men. Yeah. Yeah. I totally, I totally agree. Um, okay. So what titles in your monthly poll list are you, do you look forward to the most? Do you think? Uh, I always, always, always love, strange adventures it's this really weird book no one's picking it up or not no one's picking up a lot of people are picking up it's selling very well for the kind of book it is but i want it to be selling very well period like it's doing incredible numbers for a adult book but i want it to be like the number one book every week uh so strange adventures is a book about perception and about how your reality is all kind of like your own opinion and it's a book that retells the story from two perspectives with two different artists and you don't know which one is real and which one is someone's opinion which is fascinating because like we don't even have eyewitness reports as testimony in courts anymore because like everyone's subjective opinion ruins testimony so i think it's really cool in the medium of comic books to tell something that broad um so strange adventures is a currently running book that i recommend uh, Immortal Hulk is one of the most insane runs of Hulk ever in its current. Uh, it's a horror comic, and that's not usually my cup of tea, but man, oh man, has Immortal Hulk like found a way to my heart. It's inventive. It's different. It's accessible. You don't have to have read Hulk before. You can just pick up issue one and like know what's going on. Um, anything Chip Zdarsky's writing is always good. Uh, his Spider-Man, Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, was next level. Oh, sorry, Tom Taylor's Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man. Chip Zdarsky's Spider-Man uh, life story was incredible. But Chip oh, Zdarsky's yeah. Daredevil is life-changing. His Daredevil run is, like, Daredevil is one of the most consistent characters because he gets the best writers because everyone wants to write Daredevil. And then Chip Zdarsky's like, by the way, I'm going to do it even better. So uh, if it's got Chip Zdarsky's name on it, I'm picking it up. Um, Saga is my life. Oh, yeah. uh, if you guys listen to anything of mine, you know that Saga is everything. It's about... It's about being accepted and about uh, the most human characters you've ever met that aren't human. It's about what it means to be a living creature in the universe and how every one of us has merit. It's just, it's a wonderful story and it's got the scope of Star Wars with the heart of Shakespeare. It's fucking everything. Uh, And it's about human rights. Like, it's about everything we're dealing with right now as Americans. It's going fucking awful. Uh, I, I just, I love Saga. So, Obscure Titles Saga. Uh, mainstream titles, Mr. Miracle, Hulk, and anything Chip Zdarsky. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally feel you, and especially with that Strange Adventures uh, 
the the two artists that they have on and Tom King, I feel like says this about every artist he works with, but he says, you're the best artist in comics, but you know, just the, he gets the best artist in comics. He does. He does. I'm just like, okay, Clay Mann, uh, Doc Shaner, Mitch Garrett. I'm just like those two artists and like the differences between their art and the tone that like shift that happens between the panels, just in the art style changing. And even, you know, that they're coloring their own pages too. It's just like right. so beautiful. And I'm like, Oh, that, and especially too, my favorite thing about Strange Adventures is that it's a B list, uh, B or C list character, you know? Yeah, like, man. And I love Batman. I love Harley Quinn. I love Joker. I'm just like, I'm I'm ready for like different stories and like B list characters to shine because my favorite character isn't always someone who's like, it's not like oh my favorite character is Batman. It's like Batman when he's being written well will be my favorite. Or right now I love Donny Cates' Thor run. Chip Zdarsky's Daredevil is insane. I'm like I love I'm loving Daredevil right now because Daredevil's being written very well. And so that's how yeah. I feel about like these B list characters. You know that's that's why we can have room for like. Blue Beetle and Booster Gold to shine is because they were on the JLI team and they had like a main title, you know? So I'm actually, I'm really glad to bring up Donny Cates Thor. Cause that's another one. That's always the top of my list. He it's written so well. I read it out loud sometimes to hear the language. It's art. That book is Nick Klein's art. Plus doc, uh, Donny Cates is, is writing his, is the, I, I loved Jason Aaron's Thor run. It lasted yeah. seven years for a reason, but I might, I might be enjoying Donny Cates more as far as consistency. It's six issues in and every single issue I've been like walking around, unable to contain my glee. Like it's, yes. it's so big and impactful. And so yeah, Donny Cates Thor is also at the top of my list. Often, It is insane. I'm just like, Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. But um, okay. Is there, uh, is there something you think pe- more people need to be reading or we can skip that if you want. Oh no, no. Um, I definitely think, um, some of the smaller stuff out of DC could use some love with all the DC stuff going on. Yeah. Um, John Constantine Hellblazer is one of the best runs of Hellblazer ever. And it yeah. just got canceled. But if you pick up the trade paperback, we could probably save it. Like if enough people pick up the trade, um, yeah. it is so well written that you can hear the accent, like reverberating through the pages. You can smell the art. Uh, it's some of the most dark and depraved stuff on the on the shelves right now. It feels like a David Fincher movie, but in a comic book setting. It is so messy and glorious and just the, like, you know when you hear really good dialogue like Aaron Sorkin or yeah. uh, Amy Sherman Palladino? It's like that, but, like, in the comic book at an 11 setting. So it feels like Sherman Palladino writing swears at you. It's just, it's so good, uh, and it doesn't get enough love. Uh, I would say that one, I would say, um, shit, there's a ton of stuff over at image, uh, that doesn't get enough love. Uh, coffin bound coffin bound is a really weird. It's like if Hemingway and Hunter S Thompson did a bunch of acid together and wrote a Western. Um, it's, it's a really strange book about death and drugs and God and theology and freedom and escape. And it's just so big and bold and weird. Uh, and then finally, uh, Deadly Class. The show oh, got man. canceled, and the book is even better. Uh, I loved the show. I actually worked on the campaign to try to save the show. I hustled to get that show to, to get a season two. Uh, I actually got to work with Rick Remender. I got to write at something that got animated. Like, I hustled what? to get that show season two. Yeah, dude. That's I, like, hustled on Deadly Class. Um, but the comic is is even better than the show, and the comic lives on. 
So yeah. if you liked the show, you'll love the comic. And I think Deadly Class should be a like a like a top ten every week book. And that was a that was a great adaptation of that show. I watched. I, I remember I I bought the first like hardcover volume. You know, what I mean, just the big fat collection, like because that's how I collect hardcovers. But um, yeah, I I read that. You know, whatever the first. 20 issues and it was so good that i like had to find a way to watch i like bought all the episodes for the season one because i was like oh my gosh and then it's like a very pure true adaptation you know it, i it it's a hot take, take but i think it's better than umbrella academy and that's saying something because umbrella academy is exceptional um i i don't watch it i tried to read it and it's just not not for me and you know you just you get those titles right um, oh yeah yeah sorry to interrupt i want to hear what your thoughts on the um the uh the deadly class are Oh, I just, I just thought it was a very tremendous, um, you, you, I'm like, I'm quoting you back to yourself, but like you said within the Wonder Woman 84 movie that the eighties was a setting and not a character. And I kind of felt that about the Deadly Class show. And I thought the soundtrack was really good and the use of dialogue that they stole from, from the book, or I guess Mm -hmm. like, you know, from the source material, frankly, but what they used was so good. Like, he talks about Morrissey at the party and they're talking about Chris Claremont's X-Men run the whole time. And it's like in the eighties, that would have been the thing you're talking about. And so uh, being an angsty teen boy who I'm like, that's where I was when I was in high school. So I just really like reconciled that part of myself with that series. I, you know, you see yourself in it. So I just thought it was so well done. I think deadly class is the thing that's the closest to a comic book that was filmed on the positive side that we've had yeah because hellboy the david harbour one wasn't an adaptation they just tried to film a comic book and it didn't work yeah yeah that was the problem with that hellboy was they were trying to literally just make the comic book and the medium of comic books and the medium of movies are different things so the problem with hellboy was they just tried to make a comic book come to life and on paper that sounds great and that sounds like what every comic fan wants to hear but then the execution was like what's happening whereas deadly class walks that line so beautifully but i also think that might be why it got canceled was it wasn't approachable it was like what are my what am i watching and you're like yeah you're watching a comic book son uh, so like, which, which I really dug, but like, you know, it's not for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad you appreciate that one. Um, okay. What keeps you coming back to comics? What do you think this medium does better than others or just different than others? It's literature meets art. Literature is an art in itself, but I mean art in the direct sense, in the in the art. Uh, it is literature meets art. It's everything I love about society. Is it's a creative medium that brings people together where they can express themselves. And what I love about comics in particular is there's so many less cooks in the kitchen than movies and TV, and even it's it's about like it's closer to plays, but still less than plays. If you look at the credits in a comic book, you can put it on a page. There's a reason the scroll in movies is so long, and that's only like half the people. Way more people work on movies than get in the credits. Whereas comic books, you've got, you know, some editors, you've got an artist, sometime artists, you've got an inker, you've got a writer, you've got, you know, like a letterer, you've got, you can name the people, it's like 12 people. Whereas every other medium, like there's a lot more cooks in the kitchen, so you get a more diluted version of the creative heart of the thing. And I feel like with comic books, it's like a dance, right? It takes two to tango. So you've got the artist and the writer that they're sharing their soul. And the the less diluted a medium, the more soul you get in it. Like with with movies, you get the writer's soul diluted through, and the diluted in this case is not meant to be an insult, but yeah. you get the writer's soul diluted through the DP's soul, through the director's soul, through all of the actor's soul, through the editor's soul, through the through the viewer's soul, through the producers who cut the movie's soul, through the test audience's soul. Like, by the time you get it, 
that's a thousand people's movie. Whereas a comic book to me feels much more like two people sharing this beautiful dance and then you get it and you feel that, that rhythm, you feel that heart and integrity. And it also has damn near infinite budget because like you can draw what your imagination gives you. You can write what your imagination gives yeah. you. And it's in my experience. Cause I read most of them like by hand, it's a very personal experience of flipping a page and enjoying the experience of living with someone and, and, you can then share that with someone else and they can have a different experience altogether that you guys get to talk about it. That's a third experience. And yeah. there's just so much to comic books. That's magic. Yeah. I just, uh, I just love them. Cause it's like, you know, there's a few pages where you read them and it's just like, wow, this is the, it just makes you feel something, you know, there's such a visceral real feeling. And especially like the marriage of art and words that come together in like that one it's sequential, but you know, it's yeah. one splash page is it, there's nothing that compares to it. And that's why I'm like, Oh, I want more people to share this medium because you know, comics are a medium, not a genre. And so I'm just like, Oh, you don't get it. And so that's why even on the pod, I've been having um, friends who've never read comics. I'm just like, here's, I know, you know, I know you let's try something. Let's try check this out. You know what I mean? What did, what did you think comics were before as a medium? And what do you think now that you've read something? And usually I'll but, give them like image or something because it's more approachable. But yeah. I mean, that's a huge part of comic book shopping is I would, I would watch, uh, I wouldn't just watch the movies of these people. I'd watch their interviews and I'd find out what they liked as humans. And then I'd recommend comics to them as individuals. It wasn't just a grab bag. It wasn't what was popular. Um, a lot of people would be like, you're always talking about Saga and Spider-Man. I was like, yo, they're approachable. Yeah, um, but yeah. like, I'd find the stuff that I thought individuals would appreciate and enjoy. And then that would be a gateway for them to get into comics. Like, and that's, that's such a cool gift. So I love that you're doing that with your show. Oh, it's awesome. It's awesome. We'll eventually hopefully have you on to read something, but in the meantime, we're so glad you're here now. Doing <laughs> we're doing it. Um, okay. So going back to creators and everything if if you were to assign a creator a writer or an artist to a character who represents them best who do you think it would be like, i love this question I, their I, interpretation I really... nails it uh i gotta go with some currents like uh mitch Gerard's on mr miracle that's the most uh, like approachable like he got him yeah uh i'm gonna go with um Mark Bagley and John Romita, both senior and junior on Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, because they're all three very different Spider-Man, but yeah. that's how Spider-Man is. Anyone can wear the mask. Like, when I want a Spider-Man that feels youthful and exuberant and a lot, I go Bagley. And when I want a Spider-Man that feels a little bit more seasoned and, like, he knows what he's doing, I go John Romita Jr. But when I want a Spider-Man that feels like Americana, that feels like he's, like, got the exuberance to be, like, everything he can be, I go senior. Like, they're all different Spider-Mans. Yeah. Um, so that that's a that's a, a bit of a cop out, but I'm gonna I'm gonna hold to it. Um, I think uh, Greg Capullo and uh, for for Spawn and Batman as yeah. much as I think Todd McFarlane, but they have very similar styles. But I love both of their Spawns and Batmans. Mm-hmm. I've actually never uh, read Spawn. That's crazy. I, I just know Capullo oh, has the longest run on the character, which is crazy. Yeah. I was like, I don't know. I'll probably start it one of these days, but. It's just, yeah, especially now, it's the longest running indie title of all time. Of all time, yeah, it was really cool. I was talking to Todd about that when he was doing. He was, uh, he was penciling two ninety nine, and he knew three hundred one was like, you know, inevitable and coming up. So he was almost done penciling what he was working on for two ninety nine, and he was like, 
feeling the weight of him about to be the longest running indie creator ever. And it was really cool to see him get that like Mark McGuire era, Todd McFarlane pizzazz, like, cause he's always such an exuberant, like the guy is the same energy he had in the nineties, but the pride he has for spawn, the pride he has for that. It was so beautiful to see him get that giddy. Todd McFarlane's the coolest. I would um, die. Dude, I've gotten to, like, hang with Todd enough times. It's so weird. Like, my my child, I learned to read with Torment, and I hang out with Todd McFarlane sometimes. Yeah, right, like, right. What? I um, went to um, the Museum of Pop Culture when they were having that Marvel exhibit. It was in Seattle. I had a friend oh, that lived there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was literally just like, you know, the real sell for me, it's like, yeah, there's the displays and everything, but you go in, and my favorite issue of all time is Daredevil 181, The Death of Elektra. And so they had the original art for that. And I was like, oh, I will literally just see the original pencils of that cover. You know what I mean? And so I went in and as I'm looking at like Spider-Man stuff, they have that uh, Marvel Age cover that Todd did that was just ridiculous, that huge Spider-Man splash cover. And um, these people were like, oh, yeah. No, look, Todd's up here. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Do you know Todd McFarlane? And they're like, oh, yeah, we went to dinner with him. I'm like, what? I'm like, that's, that's madness. That's the world, man. Sometimes sometimes those magic moments happen. I actually have one right here. Uh, I would also say for teams, any team, mm-hmm. I'm going to go George Perez. Oh, oh my gosh. And that sign, you got to meet him at a, uh, the Hawaiian convention. This was his last con appearance. I retired George Perez. I got to, I got oh. to do his... So he did a retirement tour that started in Vegas and ended in Hawaii. So I did the first, I did the first of his retirement tour and I did his very last ever panel. So I got to, I got to do George Perez's last public appearance. Oh my gosh. He is there. CGC. He was at CGC headquarters doing like crazy signings or whatever, but he is just the most pleasant man. to I love him so much. He's such a good human and a great artist. And that's, that's a beautiful thing to see when someone's like as great as they are talented. Yeah, it's like you see, especially because he's like Jim Lee, I'd argue Jim Lee level, just like like generation defining artist. Agreed. He's amazing. Yeah. So I feel like I feel like uh, Jim Lee is like the the assumed dancer for X Men and Batman, but let's yeah. let's also say Jim Lee X Men and Batman for safety. Oh, and David oh, yeah. Finch for Moon Knight. Oh, I've never I've never read any Moon Knight. I'm I'm a, I'm more of a DC guy than a Marvel guy. Just like because as a kid, you know, you think target audience. Yours was Spider Man the animated series. Mine was Justice League and Batman the animated series. New Batman Adventures, all those. So the Tim. Yeah, dude, check out check out Finch's Moon Knight, man. I will. I will. I like um his those Moon Knight images I've seen are just beautiful. Um, my one answer that I want the whole audience to know, and this might be a hot take, but. My definitive Batman is Peter J. Tomasi's Batman. Oh, shit. I mean, I like it. That, that's bold, like, but I like that it. Batman and Robin run, like, I didn't like Damian Wayne just because I'm a huge Tim Drake stan, you know? So their whole run of the Pearl and uh, Damian pretty much, ooh, that whole run. That whole run's so good. So I just want to make put that public. Uh, for for DC, I got to give some love to my my one of my favorites, the late great Mike Ringo for Flash. Uh, Mike Ringo is one of my favorite artists ever, and his Flash is iconic to me. His Mark Wade, him and Mark Wade's Fantastic Four run was the run that got me into the FF, and they are like one of my favorite teams of all time now. Like, uh, yeah, dude, their energy, man. Mike Ringo, his Spider Man run and Sensational is is one of my favorites of all time. Like Mike Ringo's is there's a reason there's awards in his name because he is the late great Fantastic Mike Ringo. Uh, I'm like, my heart. <laughs> Anyways, um, is there a sequel slated in the current comic film Pantheon that you're most looking forward to? It, the it, Batman. Yeah, I was like a reboot fan. <laughs> like, it's so funny that it's so cleanly the Batman because I'm so excited for Eternals. I'm so excited for Spider-Man 3. 
I'm so excited for the inevitable Young Avengers, which they're going to announce any, at any time now. Inevitable, uh, yeah. It, it's coming. I'm so excited for a lot of things. Like, I, I'm actually equally as excited for the TV side as the film side. Like, WandaVision is going to change the, the landscape of comic book movies. WandaVision is going to be as important as Iron Man 1 was for entertainment. Like, WandaVision is about to really? change the game. I'm sorry. One, yeah, WandaVision is literally going to change what the medium of television is. Like, I mark my words, we'll look back at WandaVision as when everything changed. Like, it's, it's yeah. going to be Iron Man. Um, so, like, obviously, I'm excited to see a zeitgeist shift in entertainment. It's going to be like what The Mandalorian did, but times 20. Um, but, like, I really think, uh, I think the Batman is... I, when I was a kid, I always wanted to see David Fincher direct either a Bat... Uh, yeah, David Fincher direct either a Batman movie or a Wolverine movie. Mm-hmm. we will never get that that's yeah. not gonna happen yeah but then matt reeves came and directed a david fincher batman movie and he cast everyone i love like yeah. the cast is exactly how it cast it he made a zodiac batman movie the yeah. trailer is even better than i expected and i like you you follow my stuff i've been Probably. at an 11 for three years yeah. and then the trailer came out and i was like oh no i've got 15 apparently like the, the yeah. scale is is high like i can't stop thinking about it it's it so the batman is not just my most anticipated uh thing it's it's easily the most anticipated i've been for a movie since avengers one and avengers one also changed things so it's like yeah yeah no batman the batman like you were the person that got me on board for uh robert pattinson because then i was like you and all you know i think roxy stryer and all those other like co-hosts of yours were just like Go watch his indie movies before you make a final opinion. Then I watched The Rover. I watched um, Good Time. I watched a bunch of his stuff. And I'm like, Good man. Well, I love, you know, you love movies. And so I was like, I love movies. And so I was like watching them, like, oh man, like he, he does have the range and he is an auteur. Like, so, and if you look at the catalog of like our favorite Batmans, and I, frankly, I love them all for the most part. And so I'm just like, their body of work has always been so excellent. And so, like how they get into their roles. I think, I think you're totally right. He is the, he's a perfect casting, but I think also my favorite casting of all time, couldn't have nailed it better. Paul Dano as the Riddler. I'm like, I just recently watched Prisoners for the first time. Dude, I was going to say Prisoners Paul Dano is going to change minds across the, and his voice in that trailer. And like, there's just so much about that that is right. Like there's just so much right in that casting. I, I love Jonah Hill, but I'm really glad it worked out that it's Paul Dano. Yeah. Oh, you mean Jonah Hill for Oswald Cobblepot? Or wait, was he Riddler? I was. You're. You're right. I'm like never, never gonna correct you again. Everyone, <laughs> everyone was like weirdly waitest. And they were like, he's got to be the. I'm like, nah, bro. He's he's gonna be the Riddler. And then like things fell through at the last last minute, but he was gonna be the Riddler. Oh my gosh! Because my favorite director is Paul Thomas Anderson. So like, I've been on the There Will Be Blood train for like a long time. Yeah, dude. So that guy, you know, that manic, everything else, uh, Eli going like becoming the riddler i was just like oh i just think of a scrawny little like body i'm like that's just perfect and so dude i got to i got to be part of a uh, a famous pta long take uh Absolutely. i i'm not i'm barely in the movie because life got in the way actually one of the reasons i stopped acting was uh i got there was a, a shooting near the house i was staying in because la so i couldn't make it to set and i had to call the set and tell them i couldn't make it to a pta set and that was heartbreaking and that then is- it, I, I worked a few weeks on a movie, but my role got changed because I missed a very important two days because of this situation. That's a long, long story. But I worked on Inherent Vice, and I got oh. to be in a long take 
in the scene where they're walking around the pool uh, at the house they they take over in Inherent Vice, I got to be in one of the famous PTA long takes. So I got to be directed by uh, by Paul for like, I think it was three days I got and I was supposed to have more, but it didn't work out. But I got three days on that movie yeah. and like working for Paul Thomas Anderson is such an honor. He's a yeah. genius of geniuses. And I got to work with Joaquin, who's like as Obviously. awesome as he <laughs> He's the guy. That is yeah. so and, cool. Oh, Dude, talking to Josh Brolin, uh, talking to Josh Brolin about motorcycles is one of my favorite memories of all time because we're both Ducati guys, and uh, Brolin's like the man, and then he got to be Cable and Thanos. Oh my gosh! In that order for your sake. In that order. <laughs> um, uh, actually, going this is a perfect transition. I respect that you don't gush when you like you meet celebrities, unlike me talking to you, mostly because it's work for you. So, is there someone that you've met that like it's? incredibly hard to contain your excitement for because frankly i think the idea of celebrity is cool and everything but when it goes to uh i'm just as excited to meet mark wade who's like my favorite writer i'm just as excited to meet him as i would be frankly for like a paul thomas anderson or something else because i'm just like when you enjoy someone's body of work you enjoy their body of work so um is there anyone either in any sphere i guess of entertainment that you have been oh my gosh uh, yeah, I, I think that is uh, respecting someone's work is the the point. Like it, it's being excited about what they've brought to your life and what they brought to the world. So I, I agree. Like I actually have a way harder time talking to comic talent than than film talent. Um, I could not, could not hang when I met Stan Lee. Like I just, I just like was incapable of functioning. Like I was, I was just a mess. Uh, it felt like I was like, I got really hot and I also got like, my brain got scat. It felt like I had the flu in a, in a second. I was suddenly like, I'm, uh, and he was the kindest and he was very used to people like me. And then I immediately composed myself and we started talking about Excelsior and what it means. And we started talking about Spider-Man and I actually have a photo of me like doing the thrift oh. with Stan. And I got like four minutes with Stan Lee and I, the walk up to him was me not knowing how to be a person. And in those four minutes, I cherish forever. But Stan was a problem um, up until I got my shit together. Uh, <laughs> I knew with – I've been a Jake Gyllenhaal fan since I was, like, nine. Um, and I knew that I would be uh, a fool to think it wouldn't be hard to talk to him because I just – He's been a part of my life for 21 years, and that's just not normal. Like, he's about to meet me for the first time, but in my mind, I've had him in my life for 21 years. Right. And that's the trickiness when you meet somebody is you're like, I know you, and they're like, don't know you. Exactly, um, exactly. So I had to, like, make it weird to make it normal. So I immediately was like, hey, man, I learned to read with Spider-Man. I named my cat after Spidey. This is Spidey Cat. And I showed him a picture of my cat. Like, I've, I've talked for 10 seconds. I'm like, yo, this is my cat. Let's make it weird. <laughs> and then Jake doesn't miss a beat, takes out his phone. We're showing each other cat photos. Okay. I go back to me as a baby, like dressed as Spider-Man. He's showing me baby. Like we immediately bond as people. And then it's not a weird thing because we're both like, let's just be people. And what was cool is the, that was uh that was a few minutes into talking. And then we had to immediately start filming because we had very limited time for that episode of comic book shopping. And the first act of comic book shopping, it's in order that day. Like it just happened to be filmed chronologically. So the first act of that is very like, these are answers that are fun and sound bites. Cause he's a professional. He knows that sound bites are like what people are looking for, but I'm like, no, no, man, I'd rather be James Lipton than TMZ. Like, I don't want sound bites. I want your honest, like heart. Yeah. So in between section one and two, 
I'm like, you know, comic book movies usually don't make my top movies of the year. I really like them, but I really like these films and this films. And I really loved what you did with Prisoners. And I love your work here. And I was like, bro, I'm here because I appreciate the art of acting and comic books. But I'm talking about comic books, not comic book movies. Like Spider-Man's great and you did a great job in the movie. But let's talk about art. Let's talk about culture. And then we had a few minutes between setups and – um he had played a friend of mine or a kid I knew in high school. He played someone I used to know wow. in this movie stronger. Um, Jeff oh. Bowman, Jeff Bowman lost his legs in the Boston marathon bombing. And I went to middle school with him. Like I knew Jeff. Wow. Um, so I actually auditioned for a role in that movie. And I actually just called Jeff and was like, Hey man, let's talk about this horrible experience. And I did decently at the audition. And I actually made it far enough that Jake had seen my tape so wow. Jake and I were talking and he's like, wait, that's how I know your face. And Jake and I got to connect in a real way as entertainers and people. And that changed the rest of the interview feels completely different. If you watch that interview, two and three are much more like we're people connecting. Yeah. And ever since that interview, that's what I've tried to do with every single person I meet that intimidates me. I try to make it like, hey, let's not make it weird by making it really weird. And then we just dive in. Yeah, um, yeah. So like, I try not to let anyone freak me out because we, it's all about respecting their body of work. And it's really hard when you lose the momentum at the top, when you're freaking out, then you can never put them on your level and, and they can never feel normal around you. Yeah. If everyone's like, ah! and that's what they get every single day. Like poor Jake can't walk down the street without being bombarded. But since I was like, dude, I just like your work. We were able to just talk yeah. like humans. And now Jake and I are cool. Uh, but it's very intentional how I approach it. Cause I, I get stopped for photos and I get stopped for, for stuff. And, it, like and it's always right now, <laughs> right. Like, but, oh, like, but I can't imagine not being able to go to the grocery store. Like I can still operate as a human. Uh, this last hall H um, 20, obviously not this year, 2019. Uh, I went from not being able to get into hall H to not having a place to stay at Comic-Con to within three or four years I had, uh, I was on the Russo's guest list and I was walked into Hall H and I was, people were getting out of their seats to come take pictures with me and they were losing their seats in Hall H. So security had to like take me to an area. And I was like, what is happening? Like, I can't get in here. And so like, that was a really, that was an eye-opening moment of like that. I'm not famous. I, uh, that was a, a, Mm -hmm. an infinitesimal experience. These people can't live their lives. So I always try to be as normal as possible so they can like operate as humans. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think you're right, too, because, like, you you do need to recognize the weirdness, because I'm like, I'm like, ah, but I feel like, and the things that they're going to, that people are going to remember the most, too, are the real conversations they have, like, oh, I'm sure, yeah, going back to even what you were saying earlier, like, oh, Josh Brolin and I got to talk about motorcycles, that's cool. Also, he stamped his fingers and half the world was gone, so, you know, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, and, like, I'm friends with so many people in real life because I don't treat them like stra- – like, I, I didn't realize how big of a deal my friend Jess was until I brought her on my show and everyone was like, you have Jess oh. Parker Kennedy from Flash? And I was like, I got my homie Jess. Like, yeah. there, the, the, there's a really – when you're friends with the person first and then you see how people react to them, suddenly you're like, oh, this is how everyone must feel on that side of things. So it's, uh, it's just an awareness of like alienation. Like I would never want someone to feel uncomfortable because of how I treated them. Um, that said, when Tom King came over at Comic-Con, the first time I met Tom King, I completely forgot English. Uh, so I like every, every so often, sometimes it slips and like, remember your training. 
Uh, but like Tom, so Tom King came over about the Jake Gyllenhaal episode and he was like, Hey man, thanks so much for, you know, the Mr. Miracle thing. That's really rad. I'm like, yeah, man, I want Jake to play, uh, Scott free. I think he'd be excellent. Blah, blah, blah. And oh like, that, gosh, was the, so right. that was so the right. only sentence I got out. And then I was like, wait a second. That's Tom. like my brain caught up and I was like, I'm talking to Tom King about Mr. Miracle. And then I was like having trouble. I was like, I love your work. And I was like, shit, I'm doing the thing. And then Frank Miller came over oh, to talk to Tom. Yeah. And then Tom's like, hey, Coy, have you met Frank? And I was like, fuck. Oh my God. So like, over, now yeah. I'm talking to Frank and Tom. And then Josh Williamson comes over. And now we're talking about Flash, Batman, and Superman with the three people that know the most. Yeah. Talking about Batman but with Frank Miller's opinion and Tom King's opinion and him trying it. Like, and then I just, it was so much that I was like, wait. This is the one of one opportunity. I might be the only person that gets this opportunity. If I don't fortify, I will have wasted this dream. And that really helped me. That was two years ago. And ever since I've been like, freak out later, save this shit. Like um, Chadwick too. I, I, I was lucky enough to meet Chadwick once. And um, I'm so glad, like, I, I'm so glad I was able to both acknowledge that he was an actual king but also not treat him strangely because we only had a few years with him and like every moment's so precious. And like, yeah. we talked about the most mundane stuff because I knew if I went Black Panther, that would be the end of the conversation. You know, that, yeah. that poor guy's Wakanda ing forever, oh, like yeah, everywhere right. he goes. Um, but like those moments are so invaluable and you never know how much time you have with someone. And we lost Chadwick out of nowhere this week. And it's been so crushing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, that was a long, long answer to your question. Apologies. But yeah, right. I, I uh, I'll take everything I can get, my man. Um, I guess that was that was my last question for you, actually. So, number one, thank you so much for coming on. This is such a treat, the dream come true, really, for my audience that loved what they heard because I'm sure they did. Uh, where can they find you? I am all over the internet because I don't like free time. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at my name, C-O-Y-J-A-N-D-R-E-A-U. Uh, you can find me on the Schmodown. I'm one of the managers of the Schmodown. I represent the Quirky Mercs. Uh, we just had a great match with my my boy Kevin Smith oh uh, put in the work. Uh, Kevin Smith versus Chris Jericho was last week, and I managed that match, and I'm very proud of Kevin. That was so nuts. Uh, you can find me on the show Comic Book Shopping where I bring – people in the movies to the comic book store. Uh, we had Damon Lindelof on, we had Yaya Abdul-Mateen, the it's second crazy. on for Watchmen. Uh, I, I, that show is such an honor and we will be doing more once it's safe. That yeah, show is not yeah. over. Uh, that, that is still out there. Uh, you can find me on Koi Cast. You can find me on Koi Cubed, which are my two narcissistically named weekly shows. Uh, they're going to be going to, uh, I'm going to be, Koi Cubed's going twice a week. So I'm going to be oh doing gosh, Tuesdays and Friday. Love, yeah. Because love to work. Yeah. Just idle hands, man. Seven, Seven hours. hours. Uh, yeah, so basically, like, any day of the week, I'll be putting out something new, and you can find all that via my Twitter and my Instagram, and uh, and this gentleman right here can vouch that I, I try to put out some decent content. He does, and he does. I've been following you for years, so that's why it's like, oh, man. Uh, it's a dream come true. Oh, that's Waffles the Super Dog in the background. Yeah, Waffles. <laughs> He's uh, not going to be friends with Super Cat, so, or Spidey Cat, so, sorry. Spidey, um, Spidey is uh, is napping. Let's see if I can flip. There we go. This is this is Spidey just power napping away at the end of the, the table here. He's doing the work. He's dream sleeping. There he goes. Little little twitches. 
Thank you so much, man. This was awesome. I really, really dude. I, I had so much fun, and and your questions were great. And I uh, I was really excited. I love your uh, what character tying to creator question. I was like, when I saw that, I was like, ah, yes, um, he gets the perspective. Well, because some of it's just like, who does this the best, you know? So I'm just like, yeah, and that, that's really unique. And and it's all perspective. It's all your opinion of that thing. Everyone you ask will give a different answer. That's a great question. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So thank you so much, man. I'll let you go. It's three. So thank you. Thank you. Absolutely, will, man. Pleasure. I'll hear you and I'll leave you another five-star review. All right. I'll talk to you soon, man. It was an honor. Yeah. See you later. Bye.